Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Criminally Disturbed. I am Paul. And I'm Jamie. And we have had a hell of a time getting episodes done and uploaded, edited, and uploaded. But life happens. Yeah, I'm over 2023. I know, already. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been it's been a rough one so far. Yes, it has. And we're not even into the uh, finishing the third quarter yet, or first quarter yet. But uh, we've had a lot of things coming up. Um, we have been working on the podcast. It's just um, we've been doing some things behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. We have been testing the waters on some merchandise. Yeah. We've gotten a new system, and uh, we've been playing with some shirts and things. And so we're now working on something to put on the shirts, some designs. Yeah. So a lot of things going on, and... Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, surprise of the two-part episode of Jody Ploche. want to hear from you guys. Let us know what you think. But right now, Jamie's got an episode for us. And um, the only thing I really want to get into, well, let's, let's do this, okay? We've had a lot of things going on in the news that we really haven't even touched on. There's not a whole lot of updates on the Kenneth Vineyard case or anything like that. Um, Good Samaritan that was mm-hmm. trying to help uh, someone that got shot in a Walmart parking lot up in the Northeast. And um, so there's not a lot out there. Uh, they're really hush-hush about that case. But we had the Iowa murders, the guys in custody was uh, Cohenberger. Kerfluffle. Yeah, Kerfluffleburger or whatever. So, you know, and he's waiting his trial mm-hmm. to start. I think it's this summer, if I remember right. I'm betting it don't start this summer. It, it's probably. They're going to find some delays and yeah. things, but eventually he is going to face a jury. Oh, eventually, yeah. Yeah. But one of the things that has been really exciting that we followed really closely was the Murdoch murders. Oh, my gosh. That is crazy. We kind of knew, you know, we had watched documentaries. We read some things in the news last year. Yeah. Even last year. And we said to ourselves, oh, this motherfucker here is guilty. Yeah. Here is a, and I'm just, I'm going to get on a soapbox for just a second, but here is a white privileged family. Mm-hmm. And something happens with one of the kids and the first thing that he does is contact his grandfather Mm -hmm. if i remember right Mm -hmm. to try to get him out of trouble because the kid knew he was in trouble right there was no doubt about it he knew he was in trouble i mean they got a hundred years of history as Mm -hmm. law enforcement not on the police side but on the attorney side yeah and things and so um this just screamed white privilege to me and mm-hmm. if anybody out there is wanting to hold <laughs> any white privileged family accountable for their negative actions against a community it's us i mean we're native and yeah. you know our people have been killed mm-hmm. f- for years mm-hmm. and shit taken and stuff but that's all i'm gonna say about that but new developments in this case after Alex Murdaugh was convicted. 
He was found guilty on all charges. They are now talking about exhuming the body of the 19-year-old kid who was hit on the road. Yeah, close to their house. Close to their house. Yeah. To do additional investigation into the cause of his death. Right, because it was always suspected that they had something to do with it. Sure. So maybe justice will be served in this one maybe so i mean but but it's like i mean how much more can you put on somebody who has two life sentences not really a, a it's C- not really going to affect C- him civil maybe civil yeah, lawsuit but i'm just thinking about closure for the family sure. like knowing for sure sure but i'll remind you he is buried they had a funeral that was their closure now it's like reopening a wound but it's not really closure because it's the mom that was it's the boy's mom that was pushing for it to be reinvestigated because she never believed that oh yeah okay yeah i got you well i hope that she can i hope that they can yeah get some closure out of this uh one way or the other yeah if they can find additional evidence or if they can't i'm hoping that she can get some kind of closure. Yeah. But, so yeah, that happened. That family was wild and... I'll t- tell you what. Mm. So, did you hear during the trial, the judge, who, by the way, was phenomenal in this, and his his last statement when he was handing down sentence to Alex Murdoch, you know, his statement was inspirational. It was so impactful mm-hmm. that... I mean, it, it was there was people in the courtroom that were crying. I mean, you just you felt what he was saying. But during all of this, the grandfather Murdaugh, uh, his picture, he was so prominent in the area. His photograph was hanging in the courthouse, and they had to remove it mm-hmm. to in fear that they were going to influence the jury, right, and stuff. And so. Yeah, I don't think that that would have uh, really carried a lot of weight with the jury. No. Now, I'm not saying that they went into this already finding him guilty. They listened to all of the testimony. They listened to all of the witnesses, and they came to a conclusion. Very quickly, I might add. more You know, quicker than some others in the past. So, yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. We have the other one in Iowa that's going, that's that waiting trial and things. And so there's a lot of things that's been going on, mm-hmm. some big cases out there. So keep your eyes and ears open for all of these things. I don't know that we're going to cover the Murdoch. No, that's way too much info. That'd be a lot of episodes. Well, there's a whole podcast out there dedicated just for this case, Yeah, for the Murdoch case. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel the need to try to step on anyone's toes because no. I've listened Mm-mm. to parts of that, and they've done a very good job. Let's, in my eyes, let's just let them have that because that's they've done a good job. They've got right. a lot of information in those podcasts and things, and so that's just one I don't think that we should do Nuh-uh. and things. Um, the Iowa murders, um, there's podcasts that have already or shows that have already done uh, and covered most of that and it is so you know it is 
dominating the news with all of the information that is coming out that the police are giving out just a little bit at a time and see that's what i don't understand and i'm not downing anybody that has any podcast that has already done this but just in my personal not really opinion but the way i do things i like for it to be like over with like everything out there well the thing is is when all of this was going on and they did not know who was involved they knew that's the thing is they knew who they were looking for they knew what they were looking for Mm -hmm. they literally knew where he was they just had to get they had to the get everything to tie him yep, to it. They yeah. had to get everything in line. And they did a the, the police in this case did a great job putting everything together, getting all the information gathered and things. So having said that, I mean, you know, yeah, the police are kind of pushing out information a little bit at a time and things because, you know, the prosecutor is making his case. Mm-hmm. And he is gathering everything he can. And I think it's open and shut in my eyes. But, you know, I could be wrong. Right. I, I we mean, never hell, know. We never know. Yeah. So a lot of things going on. Um, a lot of tension in the world right now with the Russia, Ukraine, the China. You don't know what the hell they're going to do. And listen, everybody be safe. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, we just want world peace. Well, that ain't never that's never going to happen. There, in, as long as the world has been in existence, there's always been people that have, you know, sought after domination and stuff. And so, there's always got to be that one douchebag. Yeah, and we have a few of them right now. And so, <laughs> yeah. it, it it is what it is. We need to live our lives the best way that we can, and never, you know, never fail. To tell someone that you love them because you really never know you know what i mean mm-hmm. you never know when it's your last day so i'm gonna get off of that and we're gonna jump right into jamie's story so take it away this is actually a listener recommendation okay yeah from our awesome listener christina from norway oh my goodness yeah she's originally from colorado so yeah yeah. Yep. I did read that, and uh, I did see. You know, I, I respond to some messages. You respond to some, and mm-hmm. sometimes we both try to respond. Right. So uh, we want to tell you thank you. Yeah. For making the suggestion. Yeah, because she's awesome. Like when we were sick, she did messages yep. to check on us see she if did. we were okay. So yeah, yep. she's awesome. Awesome. Love Christina. We love all of our listeners, but we really, really enjoy when you guys message us and we we do sit, we read them, we talk about them, and then we respond Mm -hmm. and things. And so we love being interactive with you guys. Yeah. Um, You know, we're not as big as some of those podcast shows out there where we've got, you know, a million listeners or something like that. Hell, we're not even showing up on any of the charts right now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so not even in the top 200. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's what gives us the ability to be very personal with you guys. Yeah. And we want to be able to continue that. It doesn't matter how many listeners we have. That's right. So uh, keep them coming. But uh, for now, let's talk about Christina's story. 
This is, this one, obviously you've already seen the title, Dylan Redwine. But my sources for this week, there's a lot. Okay. DurangoHerald.com, 9news.com, DenverPost.com, AllThat'sInteresting.com, DrPhil.com. Dr. Phil. Yeah, just wait. Denver7.com, InvestigationDiscovery.com, and the TV show Killer Cases. It's the It was the episode titled Murder on Middle Mountain. So I use all that is interesting dot mm-hmm. com a lot mm-hmm. on some of my cases and stuff. I mean they did they got a lot of good information yeah. and stuff. So that's uh that's good. Okay. So we're gonna begin with Dylan's dad, Mark Allen Redwine. He was born burn. He was born. burned. <laughs> he was burned. He needs to be burned. Anyways, he was born August twenty fourth of nineteen sixty one. He married his first wife betsy i'm thinking they didn't really get the dates but it had to have been sometime in the 80s based off of just comments she's made and we're back in the 80s huh? we're back in the well this crime didn't happen till 2012 but i know but here we are in the 80s again <laughs> that was the best time i'm telling you i mean things were so different back then i just you know i was um I remember a lot of the 80s because I, I was old enough to remember them. But, I mean, it was just so different. For those of you that are, you know, in your 30s and 20s and stuff, I, you missed out. I'm going to just say that. Yeah. It was a lot more lax back then. We did not have to worry about everything that is going on right now. And No. I mean, it just, it was so just chill. So. Mark and Betsy were married for six years, and they had two cho- two children, damn, Brandon and Mark Allen. When they divorced, there was a custody dispute, and Betsy did say uh, that Mark was pretty abusive. Betsy said that Mark repeatedly violated a custody agreement that they had. In 1990, Betsy actually had to file an incident report and she alleged that Mark failed to return their two sons, which was in violation of their agreement. But Mark would say that he and his sons had been camping and got held up before returning home. I mean, that happens. That happens, but... Was there truth to this? I don't. Based on everything we're going to find out about Mark, no, I don't believe it. Really? Yeah. So Mark would tell Betsy that he would kill the kids before he let her have them. And she also had fears that Mark would take their two children and hide them from her. Why would you ever say that you're going to kill your kids? I don't know. He's a douchebag. He really is. I mean, that's pretty extreme. Yeah. So, Betsy said that she did take his threat seriously, which, hell, I would have too. And she eventually got to where she wouldn't let him have the kids at all. Just saying that. Yeah. Is... Why would your mind yeah, go there? Yeah, why would you ever even go there in your mind? Right. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, after that, of course, the boys, Brandon and Mark Allen, had little to no contact with Mark. I bet. Yeah. So, then Mark married Elaine. Um, I don't have the exact date. I'm thinking it was just figuring it was around 1989 or 1990. Mm-hmm. And they were married for a total of 18 years. Damn. 
Yeah. Okay. Their son, Corey, was born around 1992. I don't have his exact birth date. And their son, Dylan Nicholas Redwine, was born February 6th of 1999. Damn. Yeah. So, Elaine would describe Dylan as sweet, funny, charismatic, and he cared about people and about their feelings. But eventually, Mark and Elaine would divorce. And it was very contentious. It lasted from 2005 to 2009 before the divorce was finally finalized. Damn, what were they fighting over? I guess just any and everything. From the way people describe Mark, he just, I've seen narcissists come out just in articles and stuff. Just, he was just an asshole. That's a long. Yeah. Drawn out. It is. That is too long. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And putting the kids through this. Yep. Mm. So, at the beginning of the bo- of the divorce, the boys, Corey and Dylan, didn't visit Mark that often. And then in 2010, they don't really go into detail about what happened here. But Mark's temper during a family fight kind of showed and it d- damaged his relationships with Dylan and Corey. But like I said, nobody has actually revealed publicly what actually happened during that fight. Hmm. So, but then Mark began a legal battle with Elaine over custody of Dylan. Because I think about this time, um, Corey was probably pretty close to being an adult. Mm -hmm. So a judge did mandate that Dylan have visits with his dad. In 2012, there was another custody battle because Elaine wanted to move. Mm-hmm. And Mark was like, no, nah, you're not moving, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, Elaine won. So Elaine and Corey and Dylan actually moved to Colorado Springs. Okay. It's a nice place. Yeah. So there are still some visits going on here and there. In 2011, Mark actually took Corey and Dylan on a Midwest trip. So one night, they're back at the hotel room, and Mark is asleep, and Dylan is on his computer. Just mm-hmm playing around and stuff you know doing what kids do yep well he discovered some pictures of of mark uh okay and i want to go ahead and say you can google these pictures and find them i don't advise it but you know if you want to go ahead okay um one of the pictures wait wait wait. are these the pictures that you showed me these are the pictures that i showed you fucked Oh, oh my God. This is where those pictures come in. Do yeah. not Google these. These pictures are so fucking nasty. <laughs> do not, I repeat, do not Google these pictures. Well, the other night when I was doing my research, I showed my husband these pictures and I said, just look at these pictures. I didn't describe them or anything. And I said, these will be part of the case i'm working on <laughs> we are not we are not posting these pictures. no we will not be posting these pictures they are the most disgusting things from a live person yeah that i've i've ever seen so, so one of the pictures is of mark wearing women's lingerie um okay cool that's what I you want to do that's what Go you want to do yeah that's not the disgusting part. no that's not the mm-mm. Another picture is of Mark wearing the 
same i don't know if it's the same lingerie or not but he's still in lingerie but he's got an adult diaper full of shit in his mouth like he's eating the shit the next picture is uh it's a mark but you don't really see his upper body all you see is like it zoomed in on him wearing an adult diaper full of shit and some of the shit is running down his legs now i don't know if this is the diaper we see in the other picture that he actually has in his mouth well so that's what i'm thinking now that you're saying this out is he's in this deal where he's wearing a diaper yeah he shits his diaper and then he eats it takes it off and puts it in his mouth yeah so i mean i literally just gagged (laughs) oh shit (laughs) i can't i cannot you know which i know people have fetishes and stuff that's fine but don't leave stuff like this where it can be found i'm look especially your children exactly yeah exactly because not not to mention the trauma the mental trauma that your child is going to go through just by seeing these pictures yeah but what if some of his friends at school find these and recognize him yeah and that's another level of trauma yeah that your child is going to have to because kids are mean yo fuck oh god yeah they would oh man Mm -mm. yeah for his dad's actions yeah he would be shunned he would be shamed he would be beaten i don't know if i'd go that far i think i mean he'd be bullied probably yeah so oh god that is nasty so Dylan got Corey's attention and they locked themselves in the hotel bathroom so that Dylan could show Corey the photos. So Corey actually took photos of the photos with his cell phone. So he had copies of them on his cell phone. And Corey said that Dylan was pretty disgusted. I mean, I, I mean we're I disgusted. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you yeah. So they had these pictures. Um, in August of 2012, Mark and Dylan alone go on a trip to watch major league baseball games so mark begins to tell dylan that elaine and Corey are not good role models for him Hmm. yeah so dylan texted Corey and asked for the pics and in the text message he dylan said hey send me those poop pics of papa because he gave me a speech about you guys being a bad example whoa 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 they call him papa I know. I oh, seen that. And I was like, Ugh. that's bullshit. I don't want to share the same name as his. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Pa- uh, Paul's called Papa. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyways, he said he gave me a speech about you guys being a bad example, and I want to show him who he really is. Now, this is Dylan that texted this. Right. Corey decided not to send Dylan the photos because. He was worried that while Dylan was alone with his father, the pictures would cause an argument. And I can see Corey's point. Yeah, for sure. You're not there to kind of watch what's going on. Right. So Corey said, I didn't want to fuel a bigger fire. But the next day, Corey did text the photos to Mark, you know, kind of showing him what he had. And it kind of got into like a beef between the two, (laughs) like some angry texts and stuff. And, um, Corey did send Mark a text that said, 
hey, beautiful, you are what you eat, look in the mirror, basically uh. <laughs> saying you're a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. So the next time that Dylan would be seeing Mark after this would be in Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving of 2012. So Dylan is not really wanting to go see his father because... I wouldn't either. Obviously, the fight from 2010, now we got poop photos and just uh, their relationship is on the rocks well it's on the shitty diapers what it is yeah. <laughs> it's done the shit's done hit the fan uh, obviously or the I mouth mean, the shit is going down yeah so elaine actually reached out to amber harrison who was elaine's divorce and custody attorney mm-hmm. elaine asked if there would be any options besides sending dylan to see mark around thanksgiving and Amber said, I told her she had to put Dylan on the plane or she would be charged with contempt of court. But Elaine did interview Dylan because he gave private testimony to the 6th Judicial District Judge David Dickinson. And this was in August and around August or September. And Dylan had told Amber Harrison, the attorney, that he wanted to live with his mother and I, I think he also didn't want to visit his dad no more. And he did tell Harrison about the pictures of Mark and how they creeped him out. And so he, that he just told him he didn't show him, I'm the, assuming. He's still talking. Right now, he's still talking to Amber, right. the attorney. Okay. And I don't, she didn't say he showed her. He just said he, she just said he told her. So I don't know if she's seen him. Okay. But basically, he, I don't want to be around my dad. So, Dylan did meet with the judge. Yeah, he's pretty shitty. (laughs) Dylan did meet with the judge. Um, Amber said she's not sure if Dylan actually conveyed his full feelings to the judge because nothing happened. He still had to go visit Mark. I mean, if I was him, I would have told him, hey, my dad's a shithead. Yeah. Yeah. Elaine also said another reason why Dylan didn't want to go visit his father was because Elaine's mom had recently been diagnosed with cancer. Oh, so man. Dylan wanted to be with, sure. his, with his family. Yeah. But anyways, he, he had to go. So on November 18th of 2012, Elaine took Dylan to the Colorado Springs Airport, and this would be the last time she would see him. Damn it. So Mark picked Dylan up at the Durango Airport just before 6 p.m. They were seen on surveillance footage. Um, they later went to a Walmart, and on the show that I watched that I mentioned at the beginning, you can see this footage of them at the Walmart. They're, like, not even walking, like, next to each other. Like, there's no interaction between them at all. He's and, just a shitty father. Yeah. And Dylan had actually asked his father when he first got there if he could actually stay the night with a friend that night, his first night there. Mark's like, no. Nay, you need to stay with me. Mm. So Mark said that that night they ate dinner and they watched a movie. He said, Mark said there was nothing out of the ordinary about that night. Elaine said that her and Dylan exchanged several text messages that evening, but said the last message she sent him at 10 p.m. Well, that wasn't the last message, but that was when he stopped responding. And any messages she sent after that, he didn't respond. Left her on red. Mm-hmm. That's pretty shitty. Yeah. So the next morning, Dylan was actually supposed to be going to a friend's house about 6.30 a.m. Well, he didn't show up, and the friend started texting, hey, dude, where are you at? Well, Mark said that he got up around 7.30 a.m. and went into town to run some errands. And when he left, 
Dylan was asleep. Mark said, I thought that he was going to get up with me when I left to go into town that morning, but he was having no part of that. So Mark, after running his errands, he returned home at 1130. He said he found the TV on, the door open, and a cereal bowl on the table, but there was no sign of Dylan. So Mark said at first, he assumed Dylan was out with his friends and just lost track of time. But after a few hours passed, Mark said he became concerned. So he got in his vehicle, started driving around to Dylan's friends' houses. But none of them obviously had seen Dylan. Is that corroborated? You know, I don't know. Okay. But there's there's going to be more coming in a minute. Okay. Um, Dylan's cell phone and backpack were not there. They were gone. And, of course, Dylan's not answering his re- his phone or responding to text messages. So, you know, I said... It was around 11.30 when Mark got home and saw Dylan wasn't there. Mm -hmm. He first texted Elaine that Dylan was missing about 4.32 p.m. Well, I don't know that I disagree with that because, I mean, he is the dad, albeit he's a shitty one. But, I mean, he is in his dad's custody, and you don't want to be alarming people if you don't know everything right up front. Does that make sense? I see that, but at the same time, if you supposedly had done went around to his friends' houses and nobody has seen him, then... But she's in another city. She's six hours away. Six hours away. So it's like, I don't want to alarm... And and look, I know there's going to be other shit that I'm going to be like, that's this piece of shit, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and, you know, I understand that. But just as an outsider looking in, if this was all I had to go on for this guy's guilt, the the whole fact that he didn't call her and let her know he did it on the same day right just a, you know four five hours later and i'm not I, i'm not pointing that out to say that proves any guilt i'm just saying i guess i'm looking at it from a mother's point of view I understand if about three hours and you've done been looking for him sure. and you ain't found him you need to let me know understand yeah. he hasn't probably hit the panic button just yet because if he's probably thinking this would be me I would be thinking if I alarm her and she jumps in her car and is speeding down the highway and gets in a wreck and then all of a sudden he shows up, you see what I'm saying? Now, when it comes to a point where you've visited everybody and you've exhausted everything, that's when you need to Yeah. In my eyes. I'm sorry, but go ahead. So Mark's text said, Elaine, I am wondering if you have heard from Dylan. I have been trying to reach him all afternoon. So she texts him back, and she's immediately suspicious, and she said, he wouldn't just leave. He would have called me. I am so suspect of you right now. How could he just disappear? Wow. Then Mark told her, he's like, well, I just left the marshal's office, I guess letting them know that he was missing. And she's mm-hmm. like, okay. So she called her, because she's remarried. She called her husband, and she called Corey and told him what was going on. She went home, packed a bag, and... Elaine, her husband, and Corey all headed down to the Durango area. Yeah. On the way there, Elaine called the marshal's office, I guess kind of seeing where are we at with this? Sure. Where do I need to report to when I get there? Whatever. There was no report about Dylan. So they knew nothing about this? They knew nothing about it. So Mark lied. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, Mark lied when he said, oh, I'm leaving the marshal's office wow yeah 
So I guess her phone call is what triggered everything to start happening. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. That's when I would have probably, my foot would have been deeper into the pedal. Yeah. Of that thing and be like, okay, we got to get there now. So Upper Pine River Deputy Fire Chief Roy Vreeland said he wasn't on duty that afternoon, but he did, he received the pager message about a missing child and he's like, oh, even though I'm not on duty, I've got to go help. Sure. So that's awesome. Vreeland said when he first arrived at Mark's house, he noticed multiple liquor bottles, both inside and outside, which that don't really mean anything. Yeah. That don't really mean anything to me at this point. I mean, outside though? Yeah. Inside and outside. So Vreeland brought a dog to hopefully find some trace of Dylan and Vreeland said he repeatedly asked Mark for some kind of scent article give you know give me Clothing. something with Dylan's scent on it sure last Mark, last nice draws yeah yeah something Mark finally gave him a pillowcase from a pillow that he said Dylan has slept on the night before so that first night the search for Dylan was called off about 1 a.m um, but two hours before that Vreeland said he noticed something odd that someone has shut off the lights at Mark's home around 11 p.m., which obviously would have been Mark. And Vreeland said, most people tend to turn every light on and make their house a beacon so that a missing person could find their way home, whether it's a spouse or a child. Right. Vreeland said it was odd, very odd. Like, did this fool just go to sleep? I'm assuming okay because he wasn't even he was not out there with them searching mom's there by now i'm hoping mom arrived at 2 30 a.m and she went straight to the marshal's office okay so they resumed their search at 7 a.m the next morning vreeland said that he set up a base across the street from mark's home he said at one point mark came outside with a cup of coffee and just watched them okay he didn't offer any help. He showed no interest. Did he offer him coffee? I'm assuming not. A seat in the rocking chair on the front porch. I'm assuming not. And Unbelievable. There are hundreds of people that are assisting. In what the a search piece efforts. of shit. Exactly. Um, but soon efforts had to be put on hold because winter arrived. And yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Around this time, remember Betsy, first wife? Yep. She actually called investigators about a comment that Mark had made during a camping trip in the late 1980s. So the family had went to a remote campsite in the mountains, and she said that Mark was looking around, and he made a comment that this would be a good place to leave a body. That's not just a random conversation topic. No. So Betsy, of course told investigators hey he made this comment betsy's the shit betsy is the shit because i mean she had nothing to gain by no. making up something like no, this not really because no. her kids were grown by the end right so yeah yep. that's so, that's a mother looking out for a mother yes, right there yes yeah that's awesome so on november 26th which was about a week after dylan was last seen Ray Randolph, who is a dog handler, was contacted by the president of the search and rescue team that she's a member of. Mm. They wanted her to test the pillowcase that was given to them by Mark because they're starting to think that it was not a good scent item because the dogs, the other dogs that were in the search, 
weren't really having any luck with it. And I bet you his mom didn't probably did not bring any scent containing items oh, from home. But she did. Oh shit. She did. Oh god dang. So Ray said for her experiment, she set out about 20 items that belonged to members of the search and rescue team and the pillowcase. Now, she says she did this where her dog could not see. Oh, okay. So the dog was in another area. They set all this out. And she said family members, which would be Elaine, Corey, and her husband, had brought a ball cap that was an actual known item that belonged to Dylan. So Ray brought in her dog, Sayla. I like that name. Mm-hmm. So brought Sayla in, provided her with the ball cap so she could get Dylan's scent, and then let her go over to the items they had laid out. She didn't hit on any of them. Unbelievable. Not even the pillowcase. So they took Sayla back out. The pillowcase was removed, and they got a T-shirt, which was another known item of Dylan's, and they put it out there, but they rearranged everything. Sure. So, you know, everything would kind of be in a different spot. Brought Sayla back in let her smell the ball cap again and she went to the shirt so that was a test i mean obviously that's your you know that's your starting point there yeah so that that the dog knows to hit so now what well nothing from that they were just suspicious of the pillowcase which tells me for one he did not sleep on the pillowcase when you know you said you left and he was asleep on a couch and two why did you give them a scent item that you knew didn't have his damn scent on it? Um, yeah, exactly. Mm, okay. So now FBI agent John Grusing, who was based in Denver, he actually traveled to the Durango area on November 25th because he was going to meet with Mark the next day. He was actually contacted by the La Plata, or it might be La Plata County Sheriff's Office, because they were having trouble rectifying some of the statements that Mark was making mm. about what happened with Dylan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so apparently he's being shady. He's being shitty. <laughs> he's being shitty. So prior to the interview, Grusing asked Mark to write a free narrative, you know, just kind of basically writing details about what happened that day, that night. And Grusing said that, that would help him look for places where Mark would be detailed or vague. This his dude's already been proven a liar. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but they're not really going to get anything out of this in my eyes because he he's going to lie. Yeah, he's going to lie. Okay. And yeah, we're fixing to catch him in a lie. Okay. So let's do it. The details of that night that Mark gave him. Of course, said he picked him up at the airport. They went to Walmart and McDonald's, which we kind of already knew that. And he said that him and Dylan tossed a football, and then they watched a movie that they had purchased at Walmart. Mark said that the two were roughhousing that evening, but he felt that tensions were subsiding. So, and mm-hmm. that, it was left at that. Mm-hmm. So, during that interview, no one was hurt. Okay, just keep that in mind. Nobody was hurt. Mark. Not even Marsha with the football? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not even Marsha with the football. Yeah. Mark said he went to bed about 9.30 or 10. Dylan was still up, but he didn't think he was up for long. So Mark said, of course, next minute he next morning he ran errands. Everything was about the same. He arrived home at 11.30. Cereal bowl was out, TV on, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So Mark said that he thought Dylan had gone fishing with his friend named Tristan. 
And he said he spent an hour looking for Dylan's fishing pole, and then he took an hour-long nap. Okay, got to get them Z's. When he woke up, that's when he went to Tristan's home and, of course, didn't find Dylan. He also contacted Dylan's other friends, which tells me that he must have just called them and didn't drive. And when he could not locate Dylan, he went to the marshal's office, which is a lie. Yeah. So, Grusin asked him what he thought could have happened to Dylan. And Mark said he thought he went fishing or maybe Dylan ran away. And he might have run away because of Elaine. And Grusin's like, but Elaine lives like 600 miles away. Right. So... Yeah, I don't think that happened. <laughs> so, Grusin returned the next day, the 27th, for another interview. He said it was pretty consistent with the first. So, after he left that interview, Grusin and the other agencies drafted a search warrant for Mark's residence, which would be executed on November the 29th. I can't believe that they had this much time Yeah, that they got a, a search warrant for his place. Yeah. So, I guess... But I guess really you had you have to have reason for a search warrant, and I guess his inconsistencies and his actions. And- okay, well, okay. So a search warrant. Let's mm-hmm. talk about this for just a second. Search warrant. Does it have to be tied to something allegedly illegal, or the fact that this was the last place that he was seen alive? I guess. Could they not do a search just looking for clues of where he is? I don't know, because aren't search warrants different for each state? Don't they have, like, different... I don't know. See, I don't know that either. And I, don't I know want... that they have to be very specific in what right. they're looking for yeah. in the search warrant, but I just don't know if... I know you have to have reason, because you can't just go be like, well, I mean, well, I a missing... look. Yeah, yeah. I know. A missing child, though, is reason. True. But does it have to be tied to... Uh, you know reason of a crime or i, I don't know you, you see what i'm saying yeah. i mean this is a while yeah that they got this warrant and stuff in it but but i know that they've been in there probably looking through his things probably looking for clues of where he was and things and maybe they had because i mean this search warrant they're looking for something specific so okay okay they're, yeah they're this this warrant they're looking they said they were looking for any signs that Dylan could have been injured in the home. Now, which means they're bringing in the luminol. Any parent is not going to let this get to a search warrant. Any parent that cares for their children mm-hmm. and has one legitimately missing mm-hmm. is not going to wait until there's a search warrant served on them right. to let the police come in and do investigation. Which maybe they still have to, even if you're cooperating, maybe they still have to legally have a search warrant, even if you say, come on. I, guess, I mean, I guess. I don't, I don't, I we're don't know. speculating. We are. We're very speculatory here. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I'm just like, if it was, you know, if this was, you know, my child and, and they were missing, I'd be like, yeah, come in bring your black light bring it bring everything right because first of all i want you to see if anybody else has been in my house and done snatched my child no shit i want the the dude or the woman whoever i want the person that has taken them and you better hope that you get to them before me right you know what i mean you tell me who i'm looking for and we'll do a combination thing here but if i get to them first yeah (laughs) you're not going to be questioning them right because they're going to be drinking through a straw but anyway go ahead 
So, like I said, the warrant was specifically looking for any signs that Dylan could have been injured in the home. So, while the search was going on, they took Mark for a third interview at the FBI office. So, during this third interview, Mark mentioned possible injuries to Dylan. Remember I said the first interview, there was no injuries. Okay. At first, he said that Dylan had a cold sore on his lip that was oozing blood. And Whoa. Gr- yeah. And Grusing told Mark, he's like, well, we can verify with Elaine whether he had that when he left because this was a, supposedly the next day. So, it's he still would have had it. Didn't it didn't pop up overnight. No. So, Mark changes his story. He's like, oh, no. So, then he said that Dylan had been injured. <laughs> oh, oh, no, what? I mean, He's changing the story. That was me throwing that in there. Sorry. That was my comment. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> no, what, motherfucker? <laughs> Sorry. That was me. Shit. <laughs> So, anyways, oh, he changes the story and said that they were to- tossing a Nerf football in the house and that Dylan missed the football and it hit him in the face. And Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. And he spat blood on the floor. Now, first of all, this is a Nerf football, which I'm assuming is it's, a phone. You're not going to believe I mean, you had it. to have been hurling it. Yeah, but... I mean, if you're hurling it in a living room... You, no. It's not going to get that fast. No. No. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. So, during the search, Dylan's blood was found in multiple locations in the living room. It was found on the couch, the floor in front of the couch, the corner of a coffee table, and the floor beneath a rug in the love seat. Mm. So, Joe Clayton, who is a now-retired Colorado Bureau of Investigation agent, and also an expert in blood splatter analysis and crime scene investigation and serology, which is the study. This dude's got some credentials. He does. And serology is the study of blood and body fluids. He said that the blood located on the floor under the rug might indicate cleaning because the rug itself did not test positive for blood. So it would have been... he's. Like he said, it would have been expected okay. if somebody had bled on the rug, then it would have soaked through, and that's right. how it got on the floor. But in this case, it was somewhat cleaned, and then the rug was put over it. Maybe. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 So, on January 28th of 2013, Mark went to Pine Valley Bank. Him and Dylan had set up a joint account in July of 2012. So, Mark transferred almost the entire balance of that account to an account belonging only to him. The total amount that was transferred was $2,000, which left six cents in the joint account. Why Mm. would you take the money? Yeah. As of right now, he's still just missing. Now, I mean, okay. The only thing is, is, and I'm, again, I'm not taking up for the dude, Mark, here, okay? But I don't know that I would not do the same thing in being like, um, I don't, if he's kidnapped by somebody and they, they know he has a bank account, they're going to try to get that money. But if the money is not there, then they can't get it. You know what I mean? I, I can kind of see that. Yeah. But, but based on his actions leading well, up sure, to this, I'm sure. like, you shady bitch. Sure. Yeah. You shitty son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You damn shit eater. Yeah. That's right. So, 
in February of 2013, Mark, Elaine, Corey, first wife Betsy, and their son Brandon appeared on the Dr. Phil show. Okay, because that's what you do. Well, I think the main reason was to bring... uh, Awareness? Yes, aware. I couldn't think of the word. Why did I go blank? Bring Uh, awareness to what was going on uh and, you know, people to call in tips and stuff. But on the show, Corey, Mark and Elaine's son, said that he believed Mark had been paying someone to hide Dylan. He said, I do believe that Mark took Dylan to punish my mom and essentially hurt her. And Mark's there. Mark is there. Okay. So then... The pictures are brought up. Oh, I don't know shit. if they were shown on the show. Maybe well, they were. No, they were not. Maybe ready. they were blurred out or whatever. Maybe. That would be the whole. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. Oh but listen to this bullshit. Listen to this human shit. When I was listening to this yesterday, I w- it was on that episode, that documentary I watched, and our son Gavin was watching it with me. And when this part came up, even Gavin was like, what the fuck? (laughs) So Mark said that the pictures are of his face. That's his face in those pictures. But he fabricated those pictures. So everything else in the pictures is not him. I guess he kind of photoshopped his face in there. Come on. And he left the pictures in his house and that Elaine and Corey broke into his house and stole them. But but the pictures are <laughs> of a computer mm-hmm. image. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. so stupid. That is stupid. Which is why Gamma was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so on the show, basically Elaine, they do yeah yeah back and forth and Elaine says she is is suspicious of him she does suspect that he did something to dylan which i mean she was married to him for 18 years she knows him but he's he's there when yeah. they're saying all this oh, to yes. dr phil oh, yes what I'm, i what how much squirming did he do none <laughs> god dang J- just listen we're not done with dr phil oh shit so mark did, of course denied having any involvement with dylan's disappearance and Mark actually says he was not the last person to see Dylan. Mark said that his mail carrier, Angie, said that she spotted Dylan or someone who resembled Dylan on the afternoon of November 19th, the day that Dylan was reported missing. Okay. So while they're there, Dr. Field takes Mark backstage and he's like, why don't you just go ahead and take a polygraph test? I mean, everybody's suspicious of you. Dr. Phil pulled him behind stage and was like yes. hey man yeah you know you, you need to you need to save some face here yeah yeah and dr oh, feels wow. like you know if you got nothing to do with this this polygraph test will clear you so dr phil actually had polygraph expert jack tremarco there so mark met with jack to take the polygraph not once but twice and each time he backed out and didn't take it so Dr. Field, they give him one last chance backstage to take the test. And Mark said, maybe now isn't the time to be taking the polygraph test. Bitch, if you try to clear your damn name, you're going to be taking that test. I mean, just the fact that he turned it down mm-hmm. is suspect enough. 
but just because you take it and you fail it, it doesn't necessarily mean right that you're guilty. Right. Because and also, I mean, obviously this polygraph test with Dr. Phil, even if polygraphs were admissible in court, right. this wouldn't be. But, right, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, this it doesn't mean that he's guilty because yeah. I don't know how I would be. I mean, my, hell, I got an irregular heartbeat. I'm just nervous thinking about taking one because my nervousness would be like, what if I do fail That's it because I'm, I'm so nervous That's from, for exactly taking one? exactly what yeah. I'm saying. But I mean, mm. I could be not knowing anything about what you're talking about, but probably still fail a test. Yeah. You know, so. But Mark had already failed a, pol- a polygraph test that was given to him by investigators before all this okay and elaine had passed Mm. so okay just throwing that out there well that's good to know yeah so april 2013 dylan's stepfather michael saw mark coming down middle mountain road in his truck so middle mountain road is a u.s forest service road that winds through the san juan national forest and the like the entrance to the road is pretty close to mark's home okay so the reason why michael seen him is because there was a search taking place that day it was in a different location but michael had to go to the bathroom so he's like i'll go up here to these woods real quick i mean come on that's what men do yeah i'll go up here to these woods real quick but if it's close to your house this is michael's stepfather not mark Oh. oh i'm sorry so, Michael said he'd go up there a secluded area not be seen. So, he goes up there, up the road, and he sees Mark. And Michael said that it seemed like Mark was speeding away from him when they saw each other. So, Michael's like, that's weird. So, he installed motion-activated cameras at the scene where he had seen Mark. And he had also told law enforcement officials what he had seen. So, they're like, maybe we need to start searching around the mountain road area who in the hell is on a search and has motion activated cameras in their pocket maybe he went and bought them and then came back and installed them it didn't say I mean, when he okay, installed them. okay i got you I, th- I thought it meant like he just whipped it out no, and just tied no. it to a tree and it's like what the no. hell <laughs> i'm assuming he went and bought them and then came back because okay. i mean he at that point you see the father and he's speeding away from you like that's suspicious yeah so like i said law enforcement was like "Mm, maybe we need to start searching this area maybe so in june 2013 dylan's remains were found off an atv trail on middle mountain road shit searchers found his remains in an area that was difficult to get to and i've seen Obviously, on that show I watched and just pictures, it's very hilly. It's it's rough, rough terrain. It's Colorado. Yeah. And they said it would be difficult for a young boy or someone who doesn't know the area to, like, get to. So, they're thinking, obviously, he didn't just go to this area on his own. So, investigators found three of his bones, which were then, um, Elaine had one of Dylan's baby teeth, so they used the DNA to match the bones. Parts of a t-shirt, earbuds, and an elastic band from a pair of underwear, a sock, and a shoe. Mm. Dylan's cell phone, iPod, backpack, and wallet were not found, and as of today, they still have not been found. 
So Wow. So Tanya Galbraith, who is a lead detective, called Mark. I don't know if she called him that day or maybe a couple of days later. What'd she call him? She probably called him shit eater. Well, I mean, shithead. So, and you can, if you watch that show that I mentioned at the beginning, they actually play this phone conversation, and he was so creepy. Like, ugh. He, ugh. I can't explain it. But anyways, he was just creepy acting. And Mark told Tanya that the 2% of Dylan's remains being found do not constitute Dylan being found. What? Yeah. Like, what? What does that mean? I, I don't know. So, this is him saying this. That's Mark telling the lead, lead detective. So, that, basically, you found 2%, so therefore he's not found? Yeah, basically. And he I also see. told her on that phone conversation that women are only good for one thing, and it's not cooking or cleaning. What? 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 What does that have to do with it? What? Yes. I'm like, the fuck's wrong with you? Uh, Mr. Mark, we have found the remains of your son. I know you haven't. Yeah. No. It's only 2%. So, no. And then it's like, oh, and by the way, women are only good for one thing, and it's not cooking and cleaning. What the? Where did that come from? Uh, Exactly. What is wrong with you? That. mm, Okay. So, on the day that the bones were actually confirmed as Dylan's, Brandon, Mark's son with Betsy, was actually on the phone with Mark. Now, you know, I told you that he had little to no contact with Mark. Yeah. After, well, when he found out that Dylan was missing, he did reach out to Mark. And him, his wife, and his kids actually came to the area and helped in the searches. Yeah. So, Brandon said that Mark during their phone conversation brought up blunt force trauma now remember i didn't say anything about dylan's skull being found his skull has not been found yet so all they had was like just three pieces of bones three pieces of bones yeah okay so brandon's like why would he just bring up blunt force trauma like we're not even discussing anything about that so brandon thinks that's pretty unusual so Brandon said, I remember telling my wife, he's telling me what happened without telling him. And he said he was a little shocked by it. And Tell he, me you're a murderer without telling me you're a murderer. Right? <laughs> and he also said that during their conversation, Mark brought up the 2% of the remains that were found and said that it couldn't be proved that Dylan was murdered. Like, what? First of all, nobody's even saying that right now. They're suspecting it, but now... No one has even brought up charges of murder. Right. Oh, my God. So, since these bones have been found, on August 5th of 2013, a canine was used in Mark's home to determine if the corpse of a deceased person had been present. So, a cadaver dog. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well... The dog sniffed out the scent of a cadaver in various locations, which included the living room, the washing machine, and the clothes that Mark wore the night that Dylan disappeared. Okay. On February 13th of 2014, they brought the canine back and did another search. And this was more like, uh, I guess, had more to do with Mark's uh, truck. Mm -hmm. So the scent was picked up on his truck, which included the bed of the truck. Okay. So finally, 
In November 2015, a couple found Dylan's skull. Now, it was found one and a half miles away from where his remains were found. So, and there was blunt force trauma on two parts of the skull. Uh, Forensic anthropologist Diane France said that Dylan also had a skull fracture above his left eye. Oh. France said that the remains had been ravaged by animals, which left tooth marks. However, the fracture above Dylan's left eye was probably not caused by animals. And she said there was a V-shaped indentation found on the cranium, which could have been caused by something blunt hitting the cranium or the cranium hitting something blunt. So, like, if he fell and hit corner, something. The corner of a table. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, Mark is like, oh, well, then, you know, animals. Animals got him. In, in They're tr- not going to leave a V-shape. Yeah. So he's he said animals got him from my house and blah 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 <laughs> bullshit bullshit. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, this fool even tried what to say the that the damn he even tried to say that Dylan's bones were planted up there before they found them. Like Come what? Oh man. So wildlife experts determined that no animal known to that area, which has a lot of bears, a lot of mountain lions would transport a body up the mountain from Mark's residence to the first recovery site, and then they would not transport the skull an additional 1.5 miles. I, I got to disagree. I'm sorry. I have to disagree with them. Well, a mountain lion will carry its prey up a tree. It'll carry it up to its place of residence <laughs> but i think that i think where his bones were found was about eight miles from mark's house okay so, that is a little far yeah but i mean there are animals in colorado that will carry something off right to, and th- and they did say that but if the, an animal carries something off is usually a couple of hundred yards sure. they're not carrying it for miles right okay yeah and i, I agree with that okay yeah, yeah. so I've seen it said in certain places that for his skull to be found one and a half miles away, obviously his head had to have been dumped away from the body. It would have had to have been separated. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously there's not enough bones left to, you know, see if there was like any damage to the bones, like from a sawing motion or anything. I got you. Yeah. So that part really can't be said. So up until this point, the DA doesn't think that there's enough evidence to get in it. There's plenty of evidence, but like nothing like that ties feels, him directly to it. Right. It's yeah. a lot. Of, he says it's a lot of circumstantial. Yeah. But there was an election in 2017 and Christian Champagne was elected the DA. And he's like, oh, I think we got enough. So he went before a grand jury to give present all the info to him to see what would happen. And they issued an indictment. Okay. So Mark was charged with second-degree murder and child abuse. Why second degree? Because in order for it to be first degree, they had to prove that it was planned. Okay. Yeah. And from what they're thinking, this wasn't like planned. They're thinking it was heat of the moment. Dylan showed him the pic. They got in a fight about the pictures. But the pictures, though, were shared with Mark well before this so right, that could have been motive true and but they're thinking probably what happened was dylan because up until that point dylan hadn't confronted him about the pictures just Corey had 
Oh, I see. Yeah. So maybe Dylan confronted his father about the pictures, something to that effect. And and they're just speculating that this is what happened. I got you. And then Mark, like, flipped out, lost his shit. Yeah. He, he definitely lost his shit. <laughs> definitely. Mark was arrested in Bellingham, Washington, because he was a truck driver. So that's why he was in Washington. And he was extradited back to Colorado. Okay. So, remember, I said this is 2017. Mark's trial, the first trial, was postponed in November 2018 as a judge worked to rule on a number of pre-trial motions. Okay. So, it got postponed then. Then he had another trial date set for in September 2019, but that got postponed after his attorney was arrested on assault and domestic violence charges. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang. After that arrest, the attorney failed to appear at hearings, and the judge is like, "Yeah, you you can't represent Mark." So, uh -oh. okay, yeah. I mean, a, a criminal representing a criminal. I know, right? Okay. It was set again for April 2020, but that was delayed because of the damn bid, damn COVID. And then it was finally in November 2020, a mistrial was declared because of concern about concerns about the damn vid really yes so finally in june of 2021 we finally get a damn trial <laughs> it lasted for five weeks mark never reacted to testimony or any of the photos that were shown during even his even his like people were like he didn't even cry like if pictures of dylan were up there and like pictures of the bones that were found his skull stuff like he didn't cry he just sat there i'm like you bitch even he didn't even react when it, the pictures of him eating shit no no okay i'm gonna touch on that later okay well the jury reached their verdict in six hours and he was found guilty so on october 8th of 2021 mark was sentenced to the maximum term of 48 years in prison wow because colorado don't have the death penalty damn it i know that's what i said and when he was sentenced, the judge said, as the father, it's your obligation to protect your son, keep him from harm. Instead of that, you inflicted enough injury on him to kill him in your living room. Wow. So, like I said, during the trial, that was the prosecution's main point was Dylan confronted him about the pictures. Mark nutted up and did what he did. He shit it up. He shit it up and... Mark was like, no, wild animal came and got him, <laughs> drug him eight miles away. So, obviously, the jury didn't buy that. So, really, nobody really knows. What happened? He never came out and no. said what happened. No. So. Well, I, I mean, the reason I brought up him not reacting to the photos of him literally eating shit is because if it was me and it would never be me but if it was i would have never wanted those pictures to go public right. because in prison he's eating shit oh oh he is oh yeah oh yeah yes yep. so because that i mean everybody knows that now if it came out in court everybody even in prison knows and they probably got that bitch in sag i mean maybe but oh yeah so, were the parents able to have a funeral? Yeah, he is buried 
I guess with what little they had, he does have a, a, a grave. And they haven't found anything else? No. Like I said, the cell phone, all the other stuff he had with him. No more pieces to his no. body? Mm-mm. Damn, that's sad. So, to wrap this up, Elaine, after the trial, she said she hoped that Dylan's tragedy will change the way that family courts handle custody battles. She said Dylan's vocalized opposition to mandated visits with Mark fell on deaf ears. Yeah, but... If the voices of older children impact divorce proceedings and court decisions, perhaps they can prevent future deaths. And I'm thinking she's probably not saying this is in every case, but, you know, there are cases out there. There are, but at the same time, you do have vindictive parents that will manipulate their children to say things. That is true. And so so they have to be very careful with that. Right. And that's why I said this wouldn't work in every case. Right. But in this case, when he went before the judge, if he wouldn't have went there thanksgiving was there anything that happened before the custody hearing that would have justified the kids not going i don't know you see what i'm saying yeah there would have had to been irrefutable evidence presented to the judge to be like yeah i don't think that they're being good hands with him i i don't know and they couldn't go back and uh, question the judge about what Dylan told him because that judge actually did die. Oh. So well. that's why it's kind of like nobody really knows what he told the judge. Sure. Like if he told the judge about the pictures. Yeah, I get that. So. But it's that's a tough one because, I mean, if there was nothing that happened beforehand, why was there so much opposition from Dylan and Corey? Right. You know, why was there so much opposition there? Was it, and I'm not blaming the mother Mm -hmm. by any means, but, you know, was there anything that she could have said? I don't know. And the reason why I'm thinking no, because he has two wives, two previous wives, both saying he threatened this, he did this. So, so what did it ever come out in court? What the context was of the pictures? I mean, was it just him or was he forced or, I mean, this, you have pictures of this man Mm -hmm. eating literal shit from a diaper Mm -hmm. and then another picture of him wearing a shitty diaper. Mm -hmm. I mean, was he forced? Was this a fetish thing? Was this? It was a fetish thing. That's what he said? I don't think he ever came out and said it, but um, come on now. That's a fetish thing. Did his wives ever come out and say, his ex-wives ever come out and say, yeah, he had some weird shit going on? No. No. Oh, man. So, Dylan's older brother, Corey, now works for the Department of Human Services, where he has a role advocating for children. That's awesome. That is awesome. He also married his high school sweetheart, and they have two kids. That's great. Yep. Good for him. So, yeah. And that is the story of Dylan Redwine. Very sad. And his last name is Redwine. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Sad. Yeah. Very sad. Wow. That is a shitty story. It really is. (laughs) I don't even know what to say because there was was just so much stuff in there that you kind of saw it coming, but then it's like, why would everybody, why would anybody ever go to the, to the length 
that he went to to conceal a fetish or a forcible act or you know whatever the the context was behind the photos that's why i was asking Mm -hmm. what was he trying to hide so much that he went there to kill his own son i don't know because like like i said they were that was a speculation from the prosecution that that would be why he did it but i mean you got to remember him and dylan were also on bad terms dylan didn't really want to be there so why though that's what i'm saying because him and his father had grown apart over the years remember there was that incident in 2010 where there was that big family fight where the details have not didn't come out publicly but like right then is when everything started going downhill and then of course you got this man telling him oh well your mom and your brother they're bad influences on you and it's like oh you got shit pics of you eating shit so who are you you know what i'm saying yeah and why were they on the down? Oh, they were just saved on a computer. They were not on the internet or nothing. No, they were just on, on the, the computer. computer. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you said it. Why would you leave that shit somewhere where somebody can find? Right. You know, and oh, oh, that's horrible. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I said, there's nobody really knows what really nobody knows (laughs) what really drove mark to do that right i mean obviously he's a piece of shit human he is what he eats so how many times can we say the word shit in this episode we've said it a lot i know well thank you to christina yes for thank you throwing this ball in our court and uh, i hope i think that jamie did a wonderful job telling the story i it's a gross one it's i literally had me gagging um instead of just thinking about that and when you showed me those pictures oh my god they're do not google those pictures but could you imagine being a 12 year old kid and finding pictures of one of your parents doing that i mean i mean how crushing is that i know but it's like is that nutella I mean, you got to kind of think rationally for a second. No, he didn't do that. Come on now. As a kid, you're like, he didn't do that. That's Nutella. That's that's peanut butter. That's something. That's fake. But for the, for things to go to the ultimate level, that was shit. That was shit. I yeah. mean, there's no doubt in my mind that that was literal shit. <sighs> yeah. Nasty. We got to end this get off of this shitty topic so let us know how she did i, w- I want to hear from you guys okay see disturbed podcast at gmail.com drop us an email let us know what you think and keep those stories coming we definitely like hearing from you guys uh we definitely like getting uh ideas of cases from you guys so keep them coming and uh we're gonna get to recording another episode so Stay tuned for that, and until then, I'm Paul. And I'm Jamie. And please join us next time. And remember to stay disturbed. Bye. Bye.